Our sermon text this morning is short, but I'll invite you to join me still in your pew Bibles on page 154. We're in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12, page 154 in the New Testament. And there will be a test later, so pay attention. Verse 11. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Listen for the word of God for the people of God. Watchman, tell us of the night what its signs of promise are. Traveler o'er yon mountain height, see that glory beaming star. Watchman doth its beauteous ray, Aught of joy or hope foretell. Traveler, yes, it brings a day, Promise day of Israel. Who knows what time it is? Nope, not Frank. He was already been in a service. What time is it? 10.30 says Roland. No, what time is it? We just read this. I even told you there'd be a test. You know what time it is. It is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. <laughs> it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up, church. If you're running around my house in the morning, you'll hear, it's morning time. Wake up, Daddy. It's morning time. The sun is up. Get up. It's morning time. Peter, my three-year-old son, running around for some reason like a little banny rooster all through the house is often up with the sun, slamming doors, wandering through bedrooms, and ripping the curtains open announcing that another day has dawned and the apparent expectation is that we're all supposed to leap out of bed and begin the day with matching energy and excitement. Perhaps this is what Jesus was talking about when he told us to have the faith of a child, this thrill of newness, awakeness, life, and anticipation of something good. There's just something about the gift of a new day, a promised day, a day filled with hope, a day filled with joy, and manages to pull my child out of his peaceful slumber and fill him with an inexplicable zeal for making everyone else feel miserable 
and angry <laughs> because it is just so often too early for that kind of nonsense, especially on a day when there's no church, there's no school, there's no Saturday soccer game for us to get to. This is a day that usually comes around about once a month, and he's still running through the house. It is for this reason that as responsible and reasonable parents, my wife Ellen and I encourage Peter, just go downstairs, quietly turn on PBS, watch TV, get an iPad, play a game, just go downstairs for just a few minutes, at least until one of us can muster the physical and mental fortitude to roll enough of our bodies over to the edge of the bed to where we have to catch ourselves before we plummet three feet to the floor. Thankfully, though, our older son, Cooper, who's six, he gets it. He'll slip quietly downstairs if he's up early. The problem is he gets it a little too well. He can be a little too quiet. He gets it so well that we'll find an iPad in his bed with him in the morning from where he has quietly slithered through the house at God only knows what hour, staying awake for who knows how long, watching videos and playing games, so much to the point where 20 wild horses couldn't pull him out of bed. Between the two of them, there's just so much middle ground to be had but they just can't seem to establish a balanced approach together. Oh, I miss sleep, y'all. I miss it. And y'all, let me tell you something. This is, my, this is my Advent witness for the day. There were days, glorious days, when I can remember clearly sleeping until about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Days with no responsibilities, no job, no homework, no appointments, no kids, no wife, no church. My roommates were gone, and I knew that there was enough money in my bank account to call and have my breakfast delivered to the door of my apartment. But now today, today I sit by the rivers of Babylon weeping as I remember Zion as I remember the time spent buried beneath the weight of my great-grandmother's quilt I used to have, as I remember the way that my old mattress used to conform to the shape of my body, as I remember how the sun would break through the blinds on the other side of the room so I could keep sleeping. But now I sing this song in a foreign land, a land with responsibilities, with not one or two, but now three children. A land shared with other people, people who have needs and feelings and personal preferences about how I roll around at night or how loud I snore. A land so harsh and unforgiving that my survival is often dependent upon an endless river of caffeine flowing from cup to face. Mm. Hallelujah. Oh, to be able to sleep again, to fall deeply back under the covers, to slip under the pillows and let the day move on, to care not for the comings and goings of the outside world, 
It is so very, very tempting and so very, very comfortable, calm, and peaceful. And that's why being woken up can sometimes be abrasive and jarring. I don't know about y'all, but getting out of bed is sometimes the hardest part of my day. It's uncomfortable, it's cold, and it's almost always accompanied by a flood of thoughts about everything I've got to do on that day. Meetings, sermons, emails, childcare, groceries, visitations, yard work, breakfast, laundry, dishes, all of my personal responsibilities and day-to-day obligations just flood over me as I'm laying there trying to move. Waking up is the worst. It is the worst, but we do it anyways. And the message for us today is that today we get to do it together. We get to wake up together today because today is the first Sunday of Advent. Today is the day when we begin our journey out of the darkness and into the light. We collectively stretch as we kick off our liturgical covers to prepare our community for the coming king. As we heard from the watchman this morning up in the watchtower, the star that we see is the star that brings the day, a promised day for God's people. My friends, the night is gone and the day is near our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first became believers we have been asleep O church we've been asleep and it is time to wake up wake up it's morning time the sun is rising Much like I described the process of waking up in my own home, as we, the church, awake from our slumber, I imagine there are many who might find the process equally disagreeable, especially when it is God who is waking us up, when it is God waking us from the sleep of sin and death. God is awaking us from our complacency, our routines, our earthly comforts and delights. And so the text this morning cries out to us, wake up. As Advent begins, the invitation is to shake off the bonds of darkness and night and to be ready for the coming of God. Eugene Peterson, who's the author of The Message, a Bible translation, interprets these same verses from Romans, and he writes, Make sure you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over, 
Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work that began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and in grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. End quote. That sounds like gospel to me, y'all. And this is not a new message from God, though, either. As we heard Gary reading this morning from the evangelist Matthew There was a time before the flood when almost everyone was asleep. Asleep in their earthly indulgences until the very day that Noah entered the ark. They were so lost in slumber that they knew nothing of the rain until the flood came and swept them away. Wake up and ready yourselves. In both of our scripture texts this morning, Paul and Matthew each convey that we are to take note of God's presence in the world, and not just sometime in the future, but now. The time is now, Paul says. The Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Be ready. We cannot go on living our lives as if nothing strange is taking place, as if there's nothing happening outside of these walls that warrants our attention. With the same excitement and anticipation as my three-year-old son, the Holy Spirit moves among us now, bidding us all awake. The covers of earthly delights are warm. The pillows of complacency are soft. Noah builds his boat, and no one seems to take notice. He and his family, and they gather together, and they gather all the animals together, but everyone just goes about their business continuing on. Surely God is reaching out as God does to everyone. But Jesus says that they knew nothing of the flood until it came and swept them all away. And it's not difficult to imagine how this could happen. It is easier to stay asleep than it is to wake up and look around. It's easier to hit the snooze button than it is to look outward and then inward. When violence and corruption seep into all facets of our shared life, will we be like the ones who are swept away? Not realizing that a flood was coming until we are up to our ears in water? Will we be asleep when the rain begins to fall? Asleep when angels, music, and stars fill the skies? Inasmuch as I now have a responsibility to get myself out of bed, 
to feed my children, get them dressed for school, am accountable to my wife for maintaining our household, and to you, the church, as your pastor, so too do you, the body of Christ, have a responsibility to care for all of creation, to wake up to the needs that are present in our community, our nation, and our world, and to prepare ourselves for the work to which God has called us. The bright and morning star that we see heralds not just the birthday of our Savior 2,000 years ago, but with every dawn, it announces his return. The sun of righteousness is coming And I pray that when he does, he will not find me sleeping. That he does not find me ignoring the needs of those who cannot care for themselves. That he does not find me pulling up the covers of that's not my problem. Or burying my head in the pillows of not yet. I'm just not ready. I'm going to close today with an adapted poem by the Reverend Adam Baker. He's a United Methodist pastor in the North Carolina Conference. He says, what lies before us is not darkness. It is not the night. It is not the shadow whose teeth and claws rend hope for the swallowing. That lion may prowl about hungry, but it bears a mortal wound, and it knows well the name of the one who hunts it still. And yes, we too are wounded by something. Our insecure pride often sharpened against us, but the guide toward our end is not found in our fears, nor in rage or in bluster or in bleak, empty howl. But our guide is found in the light, in the bright fire of torches held high, searchlights for the seeking, and it is found in the cup that is filled and in the bread that is broken. Perhaps in these medicines of immortality, we might find that the death of a thing is sometimes the upturned soil of its beginning. And that which we mistake for the darkness of the night is merely a bed of earth in which we, the seeds of hope and life, are just now waking up, breaking open, taking root, and beginning to grow. Behold, the sun arises. Wake up, the day is near. Amen.